Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. You can check us out at our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcasts and blog. We'd like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check them out at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any particular trading system, strategy, or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is October 16th. Good morning, Andy LeBeau. Good morning, Mr. Colburn. As usual, we have a lot to talk about. So let's get right into it. Last week, the big three, the uh, EIA, the IEA, and OPEC all released their monthly oil market reports. And um, the, the market seems to have a fixation with uh, demand numbers. So why don't you summarize what came out and what your thinking is? Well, demand has definitely been an uh, overriding factor, particularly over the last uh, six months to this market. Maybe, maybe longer, Jim. The, the, as you said, the big three came out and they all pretty much shaved demand again, which has been, you know, month after month. Uh, I think we've been saying, hey, I think these demand numbers, uh, these estimates are too high, particularly on the, uh, particularly for the IEA. Uh, and th they have decreased demand based on the expectations that because of what's almost, one can almost say a recession in manufacturing, and uncertainty about trade, petroleum demand is directly affected. And, um, you know, as a result of the economy uh, or concerns about the economy, demand has been shaved, you know, a couple of hundred thousand barrels a day almost in each report, maybe even, maybe even more than that. The um, IEA is... I think they've got 1 million demand growth for 2019 and 1.2 for 2020, but that is with a 1.6 million barrel per day demand growth in uh, second half, which we said in our last podcast. Yeah, I, I think that's too high, and right. they'll, they'll end up you, they'll end up shaving that as well. You still feel that way, right? Yeah, yeah, I still I still feel that way. OPEC two reduced its demand as did the EIA. You know, marginally. It's amazing though that even though these forecasts are shaved by maybe a hundred or two hundred thousand barrels a day, the market still has a very has a spasmodic reaction to negative negative news, and we see in the headlines uh, fears about trade and economy is a reason why the market is down a dollar or a dollar 12. We saw that earlier this week. Yes. Um, you know, so, some really, you know, some down days. And now, you know, we're, we're holding in right now at 52.50. So with those demand numbers, well, let's just backtrack a little bit. And um, do you want to just bring us up to speed on uh, what OPEC 
I mean, a, obviously a big story last month was the um, attack on the Saudi oil fields. What's what's the update with uh, OPEC uh, production? Well, we certainly have, um, yeah, uh, last month during our podcast, I think it was, when did we do it, Jim? Like the day or two after that attack? Yeah. The market was up over 62.50. Brent was over, uh, WTI was up over 62.50. I think Brent was over $70 at, at that point. And it was, you know, the, the, it was unclear as to how quickly the Saudis could get could get 5.7 million barrels a day back uh, onto the onto the market, and incredibly, you know, it was a two-week affair, and certainly that that's one of the reasons, the main reason, as well as this overriding concern on the demand side as to why the market has um, you know sold off uh, so dramatically from from the from the highs, and in terms of OPEC. You know they, they still they, they have a big challenge. Uh, they, they have an enormous challenge actually for next year. It looks like it, you know we always talk, Jim, about the call on OPEC crude. It's the uh, it, it's like the one number you could look at and figure out. You know where is the market balanced? Is it is it too long? Too short? You know, short sort of like. I guess war in baseball or uh, what is it in basketball? PER. I think you know what, Andy. I think even with those numbers, I think we're showing our age. I think they're way beyond those now. But oh, they're way beyond those. <laughs> but I, I think if you were looking at like one, you know, one right, right, yes, that you had to, you know, that you had to go with it. How good a player is? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think it's war and uh, and PER. But you know, for for oil analysts, it's call on OPEC crude, which is the the one number that you you look at to see. All right, well, if the call is X, what does OPEC have to produce to balance the market or have inventories draw? They they obsess about you know OPEC itself is obsesses about it. You know, it, it's where they want to you, you know they they target their their production based on what they think demand for their crude is going to be, and it looks like in in third quarter. Because there was a five and a half million barrel, 5.7 million barrel a day, day loss in Saudi crude for two weeks, uh, OPEC production was down that for the quarter was down to 29.3. And the um, call based on the average of the big three was like 30.7. So it looks like we drew stocks in third quarter, probably not that much, probably not 1.4, but you know, there there was definitely a, a decent stock draw, I think, in uh, in in third quarter. Now, fourth quarter looks a lot more balanced. Uh, the call on OPEC crude is about 30 million barrels a day using IEA, EIA, and OPEC. And you know, OPEC production is probably going to come in around 29.7, 29.8 this quarter. So. You know, we look balanced to to a, a surplus. Now, this is the big, these are the two big numbers that uh, is why the market is really on the defensive and uh, where OPEC has its challenge. Uh, if you look at first quarter call on OPEC crude using the big three, it's twenty eight point nine. Mm. So, and the IEA is something like twenty eight two. You know, they're really low. So if OPEC's producing 29.7, we've got a pretty big surplus in first quarter. 
Second quarter isn't a whole lot better. It's 28.7. So, you know, again, you're looking at a big first half surplus. And, and that's what, you know, the market is really, why the market's on the defensive, why it's really concerned, why the IEA is, is, keeps saying, you know, OPEC's, OPEC really has a challenge for the first half. And, you know, o, OPEC knows it. And the other problem, of course, is now where you get this call on OPEC crude, it's basically supplies, global non-OPEC supplies plus OPEC NGLs minus demand. Well, if demand is really, you know, if, if demand is a lot, a lot softer, it means the, the call on OPEC crude is going to be a lot, is going to be a lot softer. So, you know, again, you know, they're already up against it for the, for the first half. And, you know, they know it. I mean, this is, this is no big, you know, a lot, this is no big revelation, you know. But, you know, they are the two most, they are the most important numbers in the market right now. Just to backtrack, I just have a question. We could, you could say yes or no, but, or we don't, you don't have to answer. But, I mean, you think about the Aramco uh, IPO. Does what happened last month make you more willing to invest in that once it becomes a stock or, or less? Because they, they recovered incredibly quickly from a major attack on their oil fields. So that would say, wow, these guys are really good. On the other hand, there was an attack on their oil fields. So right. these guys, they're really vulnerable or they're more vulnerable than we may have. Well, so, one would ex- one would expect that they are tightening up on uh, all vulnerabilities, uh, yeah. you know, right right now. And um, you know, I I, I think it, Aramco's coming out at a time where the oil stocks are way out of favor. There, there was an interesting article about how the uh, oil index, I think it's the XLE, has vastly underperformed even even crude prices even even you know the the outright wti price or the brent price right and, and that's for you know that's that's for a variety of reasons i think yes. the uh invest investment world is is just not very enthusiastic about this sector you know quite right now uh, that right. Could, that certainly could change and your we know. and your commentary so far has been there the the uh sector has a uh, vulnerability to uh, downside moving price from here in, in the, at least in the yeah at least in the um in the short term and now one, one has to wonder you know how much is already uh discounted into the market you know we've got an opec meeting coming up and uh assuming the this let's say demand falls another 200,000 barrels a day next year or 300,000 barrels a day you know i i would i think opec is is looking at, at bigger cuts, you know, somewhat bigger cuts. And the Saudis, you know, certainly want to keep, you know, I I think the the Saudis are going to want to keep the market somewhat steady, if not, you know, their goal is certainly higher. I mean, their sweet price, their sweet spot for their budget, you know, is is 70 to $80 Brent. So we're we're far from that. The other thing, Jim, is is we we still haven't had any meaningful retaliation for the, for the um, attack last month. You know, yeah. they, I guess they did a, you know, I, I guess they did some computer, you know, the mass, or at least they, they tried some hacking, some, some hacking, but, you know, I, I still think we can await. I, I, I do believe there'll be some type of response. So, um, Andy, I just want to, 
bring in uh, my world a little bit. What we haven't seen is uh, aggressive put buying, say, in that first quarter. I mean, I look at the volume numbers, and I see much more uh, subdued total numbers, um, maybe around 100,000 or so. And then also I've seen days where there's just been a dearth of put trading. It's, it's been like, uh, you know, sometimes three to one calls to put. So, so that tells me, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't see the uh, paper flow going through my uh, grubby hands like the, the old days. But um, I, I think what's happening here is that the, there's upside call buying to protect against, you know, it could, it could be market makers, you know, putting a little upside protection should, you know, some kind of retaliatory event occur. But the, I, I don't see the fear of the downside coming out with lots, lots of puts trading. So maybe, maybe that's, you know, I don't know, maybe they're already, like Mexico, maybe they're already covered for 2020. Yeah. You know, like we're like, you know, how much is already discounted into the right you know, into the price here. You know, one one had to assume, one has to assume that a lot of these numbers are already discounted. It's just a question of, you know, are they going to get better? Are they going to get worse? And you know, we also still have the the winter ahead of us. You know, and as you were remarking earlier this morning about a comment by. Um, Spencer Dale, how important weather was to demand. Yes. I saw him at a conference uh, earlier in the year. He's talking about the, uh, I guess it was a GDP and weather as the you know, main determinants of uh, demand and also price throw that in there as well. Yeah. I, I, and also, Andy, are we, take, take the U.S. situation. We, we have, uh, you know, we had this uh, Hurricane Barry that put a little uh, lid, uh, shut in some, um, uh, production. I mean, that, that storm kind of hung around a little uh, longer than, you know, these storms do, I think it was for a couple of weeks, right? And, and uh, took off a million uh, barrels uh, of oil. And it wasn't just the shut-ins, but the terminals, I think, got, got shut down as well. Right. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, now we're, we're coming back. I think we got something like 12.7 in the latest weekly, is that, I mean, I think that's numbers correct. That's 12, 12, six, I 12, think. six. Okay. Yeah. 12, six of uh, production. And uh, like you said, the surge is on its way or, or the, th- the fourth well, quarter. Well, this is it. I mean, you look at the June numbers, even before Barry, I'm, I'm looking at the monthly numbers right now is 11.86. Right. So now we're right. at 12, six. Yeah. So it's two, three months later, we're at 12, six. But also, um, you know, the we went we're in turnaround season, and we probably have runs down. I mean, there are some unanticipated uh, right. outages as well, right? So, right. so we're kind of like in this. We're getting more more supply and demand is is down. So, um, what do you what do you think about the idea that as we come out of turnarounds, we're going to be because you know, we I, I think we drew. From May to August, we drew a lot of right. barrels. I mean, was yes, it, we did after we got a big build. <laughs> so you don't you don't see that you know once the turnarounds end and uh, the outages come back, you don't see that you, you continue to see builds in inventories. I do because you know let, let, let's talk first of all on the on the production side. What the 
and this is going to be really important for the market, actually, for the global market, is we're at 12.6 now. The EIA is looking for 12.95 in November and 13 in uh, December. So, the, so they're saying <laughs> that, right, yeah, that U.S. production is going to grow by 400,000 barrels a day over the next, you know, over the next two months. And then, um, you know, in, in the first quarter, pretty much plateauing right around, not plateauing, but, but right around 13.05 and second quarter 13.1, which is still, you know, that's still half a million barrels a day from where we are now. Mm. So the key is, you know, what, what's going to happen to these barrels? You know, they're going to have to be exported or, you know, inventory, or they're going to have to, or they'll go into to U.S. inventories. And, you, sorry, go ahead. No, I, and I think what we also mentioned about, you know, in our last podcast, well, the, the, the curve was spiking like crazy. Right. Uh, at that point. But, you know, I think, I think we had, maybe it was the podcast before that, Jim. Yeah. Uh, the market was pretty well backwardated and, and both of us were like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, whether said- that backwardation could sustain itself. And it's really, I mean, it's completely come off. The front month is now contango and Dees Red Dees is, I don't know, 10 cents a month, maybe, you know, 15 cents a month. Yeah. We, we, um, we talked about how what we saw in the EIA production uh, uh, projections for stock levels not jiving with what we were seeing in the back month uh, to 2020 curve. And we had actually been seeing some, um, I don't know if it was just one trader, but uh, somebody building a position and looked like the uh, $1.50 uh, calls in uh, the spread options back in 2020 as well. So that right. those like a dollar dollar fifty uh, calls were building uh, open interest, so um, it looked like some people were doing that. But my, my question is, uh, I think they were. You know, in retrospect, you know, there was was that selling. You think the position was was short those calls? The, the you know, it's a good question. You never know. But, uh, I, I know you never know who but. initiated it. I, I usually usually those kinds of uh, positions are initiated by the buyers. You know, you yeah, know, that's you know, right. Somebody yeah. putting on a big. Now, on the put side for the spreads. It could be sellers because those are the people with storage facilities right. hedging their their put option. Anyway, my question was uh, takeaway capacity in in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's a big surge. Is it? I mean, I assume I assume you don't produce unless you have a pipeline, right? That does doesn't. No, that's the way it works. Yeah, really. No, I think well, pipeline capacity is going is is growing significantly to the point where there's not going to be, you know, it doesn't look like there's going to be a, a tightness of, of capacity, you know, like we saw last year when these, when these spreads, you know, when the Permian to Houston and the Permian to WTI spreads, you know, pretty much collapsed. But, you know, it looks as though for fourth and first quarter, we should be okay on, on, uh, on pipeline capacity. You know, the question is going to be, you know, these barrels going to, I guess it'll depend on what the price is. You know, will they go up to Cushing? Will they go to Houston? You know, and if they go to Houston, are they going to be stored or, you know, exported? And that's going to depend, uh, obviously, on, on where the uh, on where the ARBs are and where the curves are. But 
you know, at least according to the EIA, there's a, there's a lot of U.S. supply on the way in the next four to six months. And um, based and on... Have, and we have to figure out what to do with it. I was going to say, based on past performance, we believe that that's a good, those are good numbers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah based yeah. on, well, you know, they, they've, they've, oh, they've, for years, they didn't get it right. You know, the, they uh, underestimated. They underestimated it. Yeah. Maybe this did. is somewhat overestimated, but, you, you know, we'll see. I mean, we're getting close to this fourth quarter surge. We're in the fourth quarter. We're in a, you know, so, but it's the November, December surge. That um, you know is we're, we're almost right there. We'll see. We'll see where these numbers come in. So um, I guess uh, a question. You know, we were talking about indicators. Uh, you were talking about uh, the call on OPEC crude, but you know, the the, the uh, famous uh, desert island. If you're stuck on a desert island, would uh, would say the uh, four week average of U.S. crude oil exports be one of your desert island indicators? I think that would be, uh, yeah, that's an important indicator. You know, these ARBs are going to be an important indicator. Clearly, the number one number is going to be U.S. crude production. Right. Um, you know, we, the week, just the week to weeks. Well, right. you know, that, that's harder to do because they base it on the um, short-term energy outlook that, that was just released, which is not the short-term energy outlook. I, I think on the, yeah, yeah, on the short-term energy outlook. I'm sorry, the Petroleum Supply Monthly. <laughs> the yeah. monthlies, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. monthlies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, are, which are delayed. I mean, not, they're, they're yeah, lagged. they're delayed. Right, they're lagged. So we look at the weekly production numbers, which are basically a model they use, and then they chew them up with the monthly. So, so we're in October. The end of October, we get the monthly uh, supply report. And that, which, which production number will that be? That would be September's. That's September's September's number. So it's so it's uh, and then they chew up that's their the end uh, of the month. Got it. Yeah. So um, you know, that's that's going to come out the end of uh, October. And then and they, they, and they, uh, that that it's either August or or September. Yeah, and they now round those. Yeah, and they round those. I mean, they round the monthlies. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the weeklies. They, they round the weeklies, which drives us crazy. But it it's true. You know, they you have. To do that, you can't, you know, the, the, uh, they say the economists have a sense of humor because they use, uh, you know, decimal points in their estimates of GDP. And that's kind of, you know, they, you, they're showing us that it's a number that they're estimating and it could be, you know, they can't call it that close, basically. Right. So we, get, we, so we will trade off of these numbers, but they may, not, they may or may not be uh, totally accurate. So. Yeah, um, the last the last monthlies were, were July, you know, were July data. So the next monthlies are going to be August data, not September data. So Andy, um, we we had in the news there was talk about China. Was it Sinochem talking about maybe uh, cutting runs because of uh, shipping? Uh, uh, you know, the, the the U.S. put some uh, sanctions on their their ships, right? And, and shipping rates have soared, and it costs more to get crude into the country and they're looking at cutting runs do you want to just yeah another bearish you know there's another very bearish fact or bearish factor for the market is on the um you know on, on margins have really been hit because uh vlcc rates have just skyrocketed 
not only because of the sanctions that, that the U.S. has put on um, the, the Chinese shipping company, but also the PG rates, Persian Gulf rates went, you know, have gone crazy because of the risk right. uh, of going into the Persian Gulf. So here, uh, and maybe this is another reason why, you know, the, the uh, sector has done so poorly on the equity side. You know, refiners were really hoping for a fourth quarter and first quarter bounce on refine on their margins, you know, based on the, the upcoming IMO 2020 change in shipping fuel, which is for a, li- a lighter fuel and, um, you know, sh- w- would help their margins. So right at that, at the same time, what's happened? You know, the, one, of the, one of the big costs, the shipping costs have, have just skyrocketed. You know, so, by, by multiple dollars per barrel. You so know, this five, will help. Six, seven dollars a barrel. But this will help U.S. refiners, right? Because they, they're getting domestic crude. You don't have to- it should help. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it should definitely help U.S. US refiners. And in fact, the, 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 um, you know, the, cracks have been pretty, the cracks have been pretty strong, probably owing to you know, expectations that, that diesel, diesel stocks, Jim, let's, let's talk about distillates. I mean, distillate stocks are, are just outright low right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're at 127 million barrels, uh, which is 26 days supply versus a four-year average of 141, which is a 29-day supply. And, you know, they're particularly low here in the Northeast where we actually, you know, we still use heating oil here. So, right. um, you know, you, you get a cold winter or an early you know, we always talk about the early, late, late winter, but you know, you get you get some cold weather into November and December, and uh, diesel. You've already seen. The, I mean, diesel stocks or diesel cracks are doing really well. You know, we get a cold winter, and that's going to remain pretty, pretty robust. So yeah, uh, maybe maybe U.S. refiners certainly are advantaged to to a certain. Yeah, they're certainly advantaged. So so, and we're seeing it on these margins. The Asian margins, though, are, are, you know, we're not seeing that. And, and, you know, certainly China's talking about cutting runs, which is, should be bearish crude and um, bullish, bullish refined products down, down the road. It never works that way, but. Yeah, that's <laughs> the theory. That's um, the theory, right. Let's, let's talk about prices, Andy. Let's talk about crude oil. So you just painted, a, I think, a bearish picture going forward. Now, some of that's already in the market. Right. So going forward, you know, we, last year we had a, a tumbling market, I think maybe exaggerated uh, as uh, some oil company was liquidating positions in a thin market. But um, Well, we uh, also had, you know, we also had a macro puke. Right, we did. That's right. That's right. Know, which, we, uh, which we participated in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote you on that phrase, macro puke. That's a good one. Well, was, you know. The, yeah, the, yeah. The no, market, I know. I yeah, know. the stock market, the equity markets were, you know, just getting pummeled. Yes. So, so going, it's, it's, it's October. What do you think going into the end of the year here? Do I think, um, well, I do think that we'll probably see some, some um, production cuts coming out of, coming out of OPEC. Um, I do think that 
we're going to, you know, again, it's hard to, it's hard to predict on what kind of type of retaliation this and when the, the Saudis are, go, are going to, uh, you know, where that goes. You know, do I see the market possibly getting on, under 50? It's, it, it's possible. I mean, we're at 53 right now. So yeah, I mean, WTI could, could, could inch below, could inch further below, uh, below 50 without an OPEC cut. Yeah, we're probably, you know, I, th- I think we will be below uh, below 50. And on the upside, you know, we, we had we've been saying we we like the return maybe to you know maybe to upper 50s to to 60. Now it's looking more like you know the equilibrium price has been 55. Yeah, yeah, I could I could still see again. Let's talk about weather. I think we can get back up over 55, 56, 57. 60 is going to be a 60 is going to be a real uh, a real reach. And um, you know, I'll ask you this, but what about the uh, the volatility around this market? You think it's kind of it's it's going to keep the the implied vol uh, yesterday is around 37 percent. This is based on the second nearby September 16th. That would be the the Monday after uh, after the Saudi uh, attack was forty six point four, and then September thirteenth it was thirty two three. The high of the the year so far is January second fifty three. So I see, you know, you see, you, who would have expected a Saudi attack on the oil fields on fire, and you couldn't? It's not the high vol of the year, right? That's unbelievable. Yeah, I bl- I blame the millennials, but that's. <laughs> we blame them for everything, right? Of course. But um, my point is, this thirty-seven point one is a is a little higher than average. That that would be the at the money second nearby December. So there is a little bit of a you know volatility expectation in there that's higher than average. So I guess that's kind of in line with what we've been seeing. You know, tweet orientated uh, right. possibility of retaliation, and you know we got possibility of lower prices so right. Just and, 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 yeah uh, we still have 37 yeah maybe it maybe it could dip a little bit further but you know again what are we talking about here we're talking about an OPEC meeting coming up uh we're talking about this it still isn't as though the the uh Iranian Saudi situation has been resolved we have that coming up Right. So, you know, and maybe that's why volatility, given what the price action has been over the last, you know, 10 to 15 days, you know, maybe why, maybe relative to that, you know, that's why vol is, is, is so high. It's, it's tough to sell with some looming events. And, um, I mean, China's you agree, man's- you agree or disagree? No, no, I agree. I, I, I think it's uh pretty well priced. I'm just, uh, I'm surprised again at the uh, sort of the dearth of uh, put trading. It's almost, I mean, it's, I looked at, uh, there's a, there's a website called uh, Barclay Hedge. It doesn't have anything to do with the bank, barclayhedge.com. And they track CTA money under management, assets under management for CTAs. And um, I'm not sure how accurate it is, but I just tracked the changes and, and that's been down. So, um, you know, this year, so it's possible that, you know what it was the option market is 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 has lost some uh sort of fund or speculative activity and maybe that's what what I'm picking up here but I just thought you'd see more uh you know uh, puts trading over calls but 
but again, you know, Saudi oil field on fire. People are right. You haven't forgotten that, that. That's not resolved. It's not resolved and, exactly. Um, you know, and and again, there's a, there is a uh, there is an OPEC meeting coming up. So it, yeah, it, I guess it does make a lot of sense. The uh, you know these trade talks. You know, it has you know that that's definitely had an impact on, on uh, petroleum demand. I, I you know certainly the the uh, uncertainty uh, as well as actual you know shipping costs have gone up, but you know I think demand uh, for Transport demand is, is probably relatively relatively probably softer than it could have been, right? You know, with, with had we not had these trade wars, and then um, cracks. You think uh, uh, you mentioned it's a little bullish. Uh, oh, we're into, we're in yeah we're we're in turnarounds right now. The IMO is coming up, so the, the as of uh, as of January. So there could, there could be some dislocation there, and, and uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of confusion. So cracks, and we have the we have the global winter coming up. So I, I, I think margins, I, I think they'll stay steady to to maybe higher here com- coming up. Again, shipping costs are different. You know, that's a that's yeah. a whole different thing. You know, the the crack doesn't quite take into account for that. So um, we covered a lot. I'm sure we didn't cover it all. Anything you uh, want to add to this? I think we caught, yeah. I mean, we, we, we definitely <laughs> covered. We it's, covered the NBA, Major League Baseball. <laughs> right, right. The Saudis and, uh, no, we did cover a lot, Jim. Okay, great. Uh, the only so, thing I'd have to add is if you're, you know, in- interested in, in learning more about us, Check out our website. Jim posts pretty much every day some, some really interesting stuff at uh, commodityresearchgroup.com. Terrific. And uh, Andy, we also have a presence on LinkedIn if anybody wants to uh, connect with us where we just say yes to everybody, right? Pretty much. Pretty yeah, much. everybody. Yeah. We're, we're, we're easy. It sounds good. And okay. not selective. Very good. We'll uh, we'll see you uh, next month. This is Commodity Research Group signing off.